Good morning, everyone. I am so, so grateful to be here and uh, to share a, a new song. I've been receiving some new songs lately. So, uh, and this song came to me when I was reading the song of prayer, and it's called Carried by the Light. Before the gate 
day together. Welcome everyone. I see some of your smiley faces. Oh, such a beautiful way to to come into the day, to look and see all these smiling faces around the world and knowing that we're here with the same purpose, the same desire in our heart. And this is our Song of Prayer weekend, so we're going to dive deeply into this experience of prayer and really open up to see the, the song aspect of prayer, uh, because it's quite a beautiful way to bring those words together, Song of Prayer. Songs involve sometimes lyrics, but songs also involve beautiful melodies. And it's beautiful to think of a prayer and a melody as being the same. Like a happy melody that just reverberates through you and is your very core, is your very essence. And yesterday it was a beautiful, beautiful session to, for us to lead into this topic. Uh, Greg mentioned that at the bottom of the ladder of prayer is, is where there's, there's asking and we're dealing with in the realm of specifics. And then in heaven it is just the greatest thing that we were blessed with in our creation. It's just a song of gratitude, just this happy song of gratitude. And, and we were opening yesterday to this beautiful idea that who we are is a song. Because I think a lot of us have a strong relation, like Eric was just sharing, with music. And the connection and the happiness and lightness we feel with music. And to just consider the idea that who we are is is a song, <laughs> is very nice, because uh, it's very light and very, very happy and very joyful. So we will join together in going into the experience of ourself as that song, that song of gratitude that we truly are. And it's so beautiful, I, I just noticed the symbol of uh, all of our uh, 
our brothers and sisters from India joining us. It was fun to go through the list of uh, seeing all the, all the names in a row. India, 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 India. Oh my goodness, I've almost tempted to do the whole talk today in, in Indian language. Uh, English and English. <laughs> I could do this all day. It's just such a lovely thing. But I'm sure if they came on my YouTube channel and saw this, they'd say, what happened to David? <laughs> he seems to have been transplanted. <laughs> <laughs> Years ago, I had a friend. We would go out to a restaurant, and that's all we would do. We would we would eat, and we would talk back and forth in our Indian English dialect. <laughs> so much fun. We had so much fun and so much happiness. But actually, to me, the symbol was very deep as well, because uh, India is so renowned for the deep spiritual traditions, the non-dualistic, deep teachings and scriptures. And uh, when I listened into the session last night, I was all smiles because I thought, oh, there they are. There's, there's ten Indian brothers and sisters loose with A Course in Miracles in India now. Oh my gosh, the continent will never be the same. You know, we have the all the great the Vedas and uh, the Bhagavad Gita and all the great scriptures and now they're they're cut loose ten kids with uh, a scripture from Jesus uh, to go around <laughs> along with all the other great non-dual non traditions so so it's very touching uh, I have to say too I I was reminded of my trip to uh, to Delhi uh, I did a a, a Course in Miracles gathering in Delhi uh, with my friend Rachana and uh, and also a bit to the north as well where uh, a lot of Muji, a lot of famous uh, ashrams and gatherings are uh, right out at the Ganga River. I had a beautiful little satsang there with a, a monkey sitting in the window watching, listening to me which is a very sweet memory in my mind as well. And so, when we talk about the Song of Prayer, it's beautiful because anything that conjures up this symbol of depth and deep, transcendent devotion, going into a state of pure bliss and stillness, samadhi, I think we could say is the Sanskrit word, uh, going into samadhi, which is a state of mind that could be equated very much with uh, the real world or the happy dream that Jesus talks about in A Course in Miracles. So sometime I might have to have a little uh, video conference with all of my brothers and sisters in India so we can talk about all the different terms and terminologies that uh, you're all familiar with and I can kind of give you uh, what these terms are in, in both uh, Course in Miracles language and uh, in Indian uh, terminology, some of the Sanskrit words and a lot of the beautiful uh, teachings. When we think about prayer, I've talked about it many times as prayer is the medium of miracles and um, yesterday the word power came up when we think of of God or pure abstract love and light. That's really what the power is. Uh, we have this ego belief which is kind of the attempt to hijack the power of the mind and project out a cosmos of time and space and actually to project out 
lots of concepts. Uh, you know, in the world, many of us grow up and we hear the word God, and it's an interesting word uh, as you're growing up in time and space because uh, there's so many connotations that go with that word. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, anthropomorphizing, uh, putting uh, human or egoic meanings onto that word. But I think once you get deeper into the spiritual journey, you do start to get a little bit of a feeling that if there is such a thing as true power, uh, it must be of God, or it must be of heaven or nirvana. It can't be that we really have such a thing as powerful people or powerful forces in this world or anything, because this world is a projection, it's a dream, and so you might say that the ego is using the power of, of the mind, of a very, very powerful mind, and it's projecting out a world, and just like if you go to a movie theater, you can sit there in the theater and watch the screen and, and get all caught up into those uh, images and sights and sound, as if there's something really happening in front of you and something really going on, but it's just a projection. And sometimes people say, is that kind of, are you using that as a metaphor for what seems to be daily life in time and space? And, you know, it's, you could say it's a metaphor, but actually the deeper you go into mind training, you start to realize that it, it is so accurate. Uh, it's such an accurate metaphor for what's happening with the mind that you start to see that in one sense it's quite literal, that the world that you perceive is very much like what you perceive in your nighttime dreams. It is generated from the mind. There are a lot of uh, images, sights, sounds, smells, taste, touch, and it seems very real just like it does when you're dreaming at night. And uh, you don't doubt the reality of it because it's been given belief. It's been given belief with the power of, of your mind. Again, the mind is so, so powerful, so whatever you believe, Jesus says in the Course, you make true for you. Not true in reality. These, these images of time and space don't have any eternity in them. They're just temporary, they're passing. They're just passing images, passing sights and sounds. But we have to remember when Jesus says, what you believe you make true for you, meaning in your sleeping mind, in your awareness, you make it a true experience for you. You give it a, a strong sense of existence by believing in it. So it's the same with the ego. The ego doesn't have a reality. There is no death. There is no death wish. There is no separation. There is no conflict. There is no competition in truth. But truth is a state of mind that cannot be described or explained, only experienced. So the reason we're here joining together in this Song of Prayer weekend is for an experience. It's for an actual experience. Not for something that you say, oh, sentimentally that sounds good, Jesus. Sentimentally. I'm, I'm with you sentimentally. But actually to go into an experience of vastness, into an experience of expansiveness, into an experience of glee and joy and happiness that is 
in no way touching upon the experience of limitation or lack or fragmentation or sickness. You, you're here joining in this Song of Prayer weekend for the experience of the vastness of who you are. And when you're just convinced and you're thinking with these egoic thoughts, then you can refer to yourself as, as a me or an I that is a body or a person. And that, of course, is the farthest thing from the truth. Because you are light. We are light. Expansive light. The light of Christ. The light of wisdom. The light of eternity. That's the fact of it. That is the fact of it. That's the reality. But to associate with false thoughts of past and future, of time and space, of persons and personalities, of roles, uh, of society, of, of everything that seems to be the cosmos. To associate it all with that means that you are thinking with the ego. Not in reality, but it's just that you're, it's not the thoughts aren't important at all, but it's the identification and the belief that you are that. You are these passing thoughts. That's where we need to call upon prayer. Prayer is, is our desire. It's really the desire of our heart. It's the desire at the core of our mind. And I would offer a, an alternative to keep thinking in terms of these thoughts of time and space. An alternative to that is to think of yourself in terms of mind. Uh, I know even the word mind, just like the word God, has a lot of different uh, connotations with it. And just like the word soul, if I mention the word soul, depending on what spirituality, what tradition, you know, some people would say, well, the soul is eternal. And then they would, some would say, well, it's eternal, but it, it has lessons to learn, does it? Uh, it's if it's eternal, I can't imagine what lessons the soul would have to learn. <laughs> if, it's, if it's all that there is, then it can't really have lessons. It can't have multiple lessons, it can't even have one. <laughs> But once we talk about it in terms of incarnations and, you know, all these different uh, philosophies and uh, spiritualities, then the, the word is very loaded. And the same with mind. You know, I, if you listen to a lot of the popular uh, teachers who talk about uh, the mind, whether it's, it's Eckhart or it's Muji or it's... Uh, Ramana or whoever you're you're listening to, oftentimes mind is associated with the ego. It's it's associated as being synonymous with the ego. So that's when you hear people say, "Get out of your mind," you know, or you must uh, you must not hold on to the mind. Uh, when people talk about the samadhi experience, sometimes they'll say. Samadhi transcends the mind. You won't find Samadhi in the mind. But when we're using A Course in Miracles as our tool, Jesus actually tells us the mind is the activating agent of spirit. And if you don't know that you're a spirit, if you've forgotten your spirit, then really that activating agent is kind of important. 
So Jesus is using the word mind in a, in a way that can be and is very, very helpful as a, a stepping stone. It's the activating agent of spirit. It's, the, it's a way of coming back to remember your pure love and light, your abstractness, your divinity, your pure spirit nature, your pure spirit essence. And at one point, even though many teachers say, you know, you have to, you, you, you'll never find who you are in the mind, actually Jesus says that you are an idea in the mind of God. So Jesus is using the word mind in a way that, that is uh, very important and very attractive according to his system of words that he's using. An idea in the mind of God. In fact, he says in A Course in Miracles that this whole world was made as an attempt to forget that you have a mind. When I'm talking about mind, I'm talking about too this one mind, this universal mind, this mind that where Christ is an idea in the mind of God. That's been pushed completely out of awareness and now Jesus says what you believe you are is, we could call it a split mind, where part of the mind has the Holy Spirit or the remembrance of the truth, the remembrance that you're an idea in the mind of God. You're the Christ. You're a pure idea of light in the mind of God. And that this split mind also has a belief that something else is possible other than God or other than the mind of God and, and Christ. The ego is a belief that there's something more than light. And when we think of prayer, we can say prayer is synonymous with desire. So Jesus tells us, I often quote this passage from the Course, you know, that Jesus tells us that that desire and, and, and prayer are really synonymous. He's telling us that in his Song of Prayer. And he's saying that that this world arose from desire and that uh, truth will return to your awareness by your desire as it was lost by your desire for something else. It's that, if you just remember that one sentence from the Course that, that informs your mind so much. Truth will be returned to your awareness by your desire as it was lost by your desire for something else. He doesn't say you'll find God through right action. He doesn't say you'll God, find God by behaving good, being a good little boy or a good little girl or a good little man, good little woman, you know. He's not saying you're going to be able to behave your way back to the Kingdom of Heaven. Because the behavior and the body is part of the projection. So a lot of us, of course, have been trying to be good, <laughs> you know, like, like in the old Santa Claus song, you know, you know, he's making his list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. You know, we've been concerned since we were kids about this Santa Claus song about naughty and nice, you know. Good people go back to heaven and naughty people well, that's not a good thing. They tell us we either burn in hell or we go off into limbo land or some crazy thing that doesn't sound very appealing at all. And, and so what Jesus is saying 
He said, don't be so concerned about your behaviors. It is with your thoughts alone that we must work. Where are your thoughts except in your mind? He's, he's really advocating that we learn to do mind training. He doesn't care about brainwashing. He he's interested, leave that to the CIA. He's interested in mind training. Because if you're, a mind, if you're an idea in the mind of God and you're thinking with ego thoughts and denying your Christ reality, then you are in great need of mind training. So when we pray, what we're really praying for is we're praying for the present moment. We're praying for the holy instant. There's another great line in the Course where Jesus says, that you can't, you can't reach the holy instant by preparing for it. What? Wait a minute, let's rewind here. You've got, given me a whole book in mind training, you've given me 365 lessons, you've given me a text and a manual for teachers, and now you're telling me? He's like, yeah, pay attention. You cannot reach the holy instant by preparing for it. Because when you prepare for it, you place the holy instant in the future. It's not there. <laughs> You're not there. I'm not there. God's not there. The past is gone. The future is but imagined. These concerns are but defenses against present change of focus. Jesus is asking us to pray for present change of focus. How many of you have tried meditating your way back to God? And you maybe are concerned about the posture of the body, or the position of the body, or the breath of the body, or all these aspects which are still aspects of what? Time. They're all aspects of time. Breath is a matter of time. Posture is a matter of time. Position is a matter of time. And what Jesus is telling us, if you want the fast track to remembering who you are, you have to pray for the holy instant. Here's another way of saying it. You have to desire the holy instant. He's telling us in the I Need Do Nothing section that if you have total loyalty to Jesus and total faith in Jesus, and you really are going, wanting to save thousands and tens and thousands of years of seeming unlearning and unraveling. He's saying, here's, here's the most direct path. It's, say this and mean it with all your heart. I need do nothing. You see, that is the direct experience the lead-in to the Holy Instant. By desiring the Holy Instant, you are, are giving your allegiance to eternity. You are pulling all of your mind's energy away from time and space. Now, for most people, they will say, Oh, God, that is... I wish, can I have something a little more practical than that? You know, it's almost like... He said, can I pass on that one? Can you give me something a little more bite-size? Bite it's like, I don't want to 
have to eat the whole thing in one bite. Uh, can you give me something a little more bite-sized? And, and yet, when we talk about prayer being desire, what we could say is to the extent that you desire anything of time and space, to the extent you desire to hold on to past thoughts, which would also be projected as future goals, future ambitions, future identity, you are praying for something that is actually blocking you from the light, blocking you from remembering who you are. He tells us in the, in the Course, in the text, he says, at no single instant does the body exist at all. It is always remembered or anticipated. You hear the time in that. Time is an invention. Linear time is an invention of the ego to keep you from knowing who you are. So, whenever you think of defense mechanisms, like if you think of in terms of psychology or psychiatry, you know, projection, denial, repression, sublimation, you know, there's all these defense mechanisms that uh, are categorized in psychology. Uh, it's interesting if you went through the, the DSM-3 or the DSM-4 and you looked at all these defense mechanisms that are outlined in there, it's interesting what's missing in there is that the past is a defense. And the future is a defense. If you imagine going to a psychotherapist and, and the psychotherapist listens to your story and then finally says, well, there's really just uh, two defense mechanisms we, we have to really work with and let go. And instead of saying projection or repression, denial, they said the past and the future. Now you know that's coming from Jesus Christ. I call him the master psychologist because only Jesus would tell you the past is gone, the future is but imagined. You know, how practical is that? Except it's coming from an awake mind that actually knows the truth and it's actually meant as a time saver. So when we look at the struggles and issues, and again, I thank you for writing them all down and, and sharing them. Um, I was just reading some more of the ones that, that came in today. Uh, Seema, how beautiful. Our, we're talking about India today, and, and here's our, uh, our beloved one, <laughs> our transplant, Rochester transplant from, from India. But you wrote in today, you were talking about how you seem to have this one main issue that you're dealing with is to work hard. You know, I, I, I'm a hard worker. It's, it's, it's the, the identification of Sema with the hard worker. And it's almost like, how can I retranslate this or how can I have my mind rinsed of this almost incessant attachment or incessant, incessant affiliation with hard worker? Hard worker is good, and it has an opposite, and that's lazy. <laughs> you know? So, if I'm identified as hard worker in terms of a body, or in terms of a person, then, of course, I will perceive the opposite uh, other brothers and sisters that, are, that aren't as hard working, and therefore they must be lazier. <laughs> you see the, the comparison that creeps in from, from that belief in being a hard worker. 
And of course, I, I know I've done many uh, retreats, workshops, and talks about undoing the doer. Of course it's tied into the doer, because only a doer could be a good doer or a bad doer, a, a, a hard-working doer or a lazy doer <laughs> that, that is not so uh, diligent. And, and yet once we start to go into the song of prayer, we start to realize, oh, that's what our prayer is, is our prayer is to remember the light. Our prayer is to remember the I am-ness prior to time, prior to the body, prior to the belief that there is such a thing as a doer, as a personality self. We're praying for the I am-ness, for that light. We're praying for an experience of I am light. Now, I want to be really practical in this and I'm going to for you, Sima, and for everyone, I'm going to use some practical examples and parable, like the parable of David, because you know most of us were were raised either either we grew up being like an atheist or an agnostic or of belonging to some religion or some set of beliefs. Jesus says, everyone who seems to come to this place to Earth. Uh, has a belief system and then uses that belief system to organize their perceptual experiences. In other words, you have to believe that the ego is real to perceive a world and then when you believe the ego is real, that's your core belief that separation is possible and then you have a system of specific beliefs about, about culture, about race, sexuality, gender, uh, about all aspects of environments, society, so on and so forth. Those are all just specific beliefs that seem to make up uh, a personal identity and a construct or a, an environment for that personal identity. But actually, who you are is not a matter of belief, it's a matter, a matter of, of creation. Uh, God created spirit perfect, and then you can have amnesia seemingly and forget the perfection, but it doesn't change the creation. Creation is still pure love and light. Creation is still eternal. Creation has not changed. Not one note in the song of heaven has been missed. You know, you might think of the song of prayer as this happy song that goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever and ever. It's just cascading happiness is what heaven is, or nirvana. Cascading happiness. Not one note in the song of eternity is ever missed. There is no parentheses in eternity, to borrow from uh, Joel Goldsmith. <laughs> He was saying like time is like a parenthesis in eternity, but there is no parenthesis in this song of joy that just goes on and on and on, a song of gratitude forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why we're doing the forgiveness work because we're awakening to that happy song, you know, to the reality of who we are. It's great, you know, imagine Imagine if you just suddenly had this mystical experience in the middle of a date. You're, you're sitting in a restaurant, you're on a date, and you suddenly spring into this blazing light of the great rays and you're just in this thing. And then it just is the most glorious thing. Then you, 
you're back in the restaurant and the, the date says, so tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> no words. Uh, there are no words that come to mind for that experience of self, of pure love and light. But the, the song of prayer is basically your desire. So I said I would give you some parables from the parable of David just to, to start to make this a little more relatable. In the parable of David, there was this little David growing up and seemingly in a Christian household and going to church and learning about the Bible during Sunday school and during Sunday summer camp, church camp, uh, and, and being exposed to the, the teachings of the Bible and Jesus. And then, uh, as with many times, when you start to move into adolescence, uh, you're, during those teen years in the parables, you know, you're, you're confused, you're wondering, you've got all kinds of, you were already confused as a child, and then now you've got more layers coming in about more complex systems of education. You know, you're, what? Mathematics? I, okay, it was started off with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Now you're talking, what, algebra? Oh, come on. And then, what? Trigonometry? Oh, please. You know, it's like, you know, everything in the world, it just gets more and more complex. There's building blocks. Like you have to keep learning and more, and more education, more education for what? For survival, for what? For your career, for what? So you can buy a nice house or have a nice place to live. So you can have partners, you can have families, children, you can achieve things, you can attain things, you can evolve. What if it's all a hoax? What if all that that I just described is part of a defense against who you already are, that you were already created perfect, and then the ego's learning is an attempt to adapt and adjust and accumulate and build, build a self-concept. So Jesus is really helping us in the Course. He's saying, wait a minute, you've been building this self-concept with much energy and much work, hard work, Seema. You put a lot of hard work That's to be a doctor, well, we've got a couple. We've got a doctor over in New York and we've got a doctor there in India who spoke last night. Our, our doctors are in the house, our Indian doctors. Well, it took a lot of work to train to be a doctor. You have to, there was a lot of learning involved in that. But Jesus is telling us, oh, it's beyond just that. You learned time and space. You learned galaxies. You learned, you learned minutes and seconds, and you learned hours and days and decades. You've been learning in time, your mind has been given over to time, and you never pause to ask why. Like, why am I doing all this learning? You never took the time to pause and ask the question, what is it for? Now we're doing that. Now we're, we're happily ready for reverse. <laughs> we've, been, we've been speeding ahead in our timeline lives, trying to make the doer a better doer, the worker a better worker, to attain more learned knowledge, more things, and, and yet, uh, you know, 
last night it was so beautiful. Uh, Hazel from uh, Canada, Hazel was saying, you know, now she's looking at, she's selling the house and she's starting to look at all the accumulated stuff. And Hazel, that was so beautiful. You were so beautifully transparent with your, we could see it on your face, like you were talking about all this accumulated stuff that really is worthless. Uh, it was so beautiful. You know, we could see it in your eyes, like, well, I'm glad I was, I'm glad I'm turning my direction away from trying to accumulate the worthless. Uh, now you're just selling it. Get, let, getting rid of it, <laughs> letting go. Isn't that a different direction from possess, accumulate? Even in terms of learning, you know, when we say, oh, I learned a new subject, I learned a new language, I, I learned a new skill, uh, or I own something now that I didn't have before, you know? I had uh, this and this and that, but then I, I purchased a house, and then I purchased things to put in the house. And at some point, you know, you start to go, wait a minute, what is the point of this? Whether we're talking about like learning for Sima, who's tired of working so hard to be the best, the good worker, and to be the, the, the bright, intelligent one who's supposed to answer all the questions and help all the people, to... Heather, Hazel, who's just saying, listen, I'm, I'm ready to be still and know that I'm God. And I, I am ready to uh, start divesting <laughs> in my mind of things that I've given meaning to and value to. I, I listen sometimes, some of you know, if you see on Facebook, I listen to this uh, doctor from India. Uh, her name is Shaf Shafali, Dr. Shafali. And uh, I, I'm in there in my office and I put on Dr. Shafali and she was, I just put it on my cell phone and I, she was just riffing yesterday. She's a psychologist, a psychotherapist who teaches meditation and, and is constantly talking to people very practically about coming to the present moment. She's like saying, come, oh, come into my, my Facebook room and let's all meditate together. I'll teach you how to meditate. I was laughing so hard yesterday, I just got the biggest smile on my face where my Indian doctor friend, Dr. Shafali, was talking so much about the present moment that she just started riffing and ripping into the, the pandemic-seeming uh, situation of the world. She was ripping so hard yesterday with her sweet little innocent eyes and her joyful expression that sometimes she would interchange the words uh, pandemic with pandemonium. <laughs> she, she couldn't help it. It was involuntary. She, she, pandemic, I mean, pandem uh, pandemonium. I mean, well, you know, for her it was, they're really the same. Uh, it's just a, a misperception. That's all it is. And she was saying, you know, all the floods of being a psychotherapist, just like being a medical doctor, all the floods of, of cries for help that seem to be coming in now. People saying, I, I, I'm stressed out, I'm, I'm bored, or people saying, I'm ill, and in all kinds of different ways, psychologically. And she's saying, what were we thinking? Why were we trying to play these roles? Why were we trying to achieve? Why were we trying to accumulate? Why were we working so hard? Why were we going so fast? Why was it go, 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 go? And teaching our children 
Not be, 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 but go, go, go. Get better, achieve, strive, develop skills. That'll be a nice reflection on the parent. She said, what were we thinking? Now the whole context of everything that's happening in time and space is showing, be still, be content, come to the moment, come with empty hands and open arms, come to the stillness that you are. You know, but what she was saying yesterday was what Jesus says in the Course. It's like, what are you thinking? Why do you think you have to pursue all these things in time and space to reach meaning when you are the meaning and always have been the meaning? And it's right here and it's right now. And all you have to do is stop. <laughs> stop the pursuit. You know, in the Bible, Jesus is quoted as saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added unto you. Remember that from the Bible, the New Testament? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added unto you. In A Course in Miracles, he, he tweaks that. He tweaks it, and he says, Don't say, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Say, Will ye first the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, he's up on it, he's bringing it in a notch up. Now we're getting into prayer. Now we're getting into the power of the mind. Now we're getting into the transcendent nature of the power and the glory of the living Christ that we are. Will ye first the kingdom of heaven? Will ye the kingdom of heaven is what he's teaching us. How are you going to will the Kingdom of Heaven in your awareness except by pouring your full desire, your full focus onto that remembrance of the Holy Instant, that remembrance of God, that remembrance of Christ? Will yourself the Kingdom of Heaven. Will it. When we even hear the word God's will, sometimes people say, well, God's will was for this and that in time and space. No, God's will is for perfect happiness. Jesus doesn't mince any words. He says in the Manual for Teachers, in the Clarification of Terms, he basically says right there in straight language, so you can't miss it, that in this world you have no free will. Well, that starts to bring an end to the big philosophical debate about free will versus destiny because he's saying you have no free will in time and space. Your will is limited by belief in time and space. Your power as the living Christ seems to be limited when you believe that you're something that you're not. Does that make sense? If you, if you are created in all glory, by God, and then you've believed that you're something other than that spirit reality, then by your mind you block the will of God, and you really you block your own will. Because if your will, my will, our will is one with God, and God's will is for perfect happiness, it must mean that our will, our Christ will, is for perfect happiness. It must mean that we're an eternal happy being in reality, 
and to fall asleep and dream that you're something else splinters the prayer from the happy song of heaven into splintered and fragmented desire. And this is what happens when, when there's a desire for something other than who you are. Other than know thyself, if you have a desire for something else other than know thyself, that is fragmented will. That isn't unified will. It's like trying to take something that's really powerful and then breaking it into many, many little pieces. And then if you search inside those pieces to find the whole, you're not going to find it in the pieces. It's something that far transcends the pieces. So what this means is, is that you can't search for who you are in time and space. You know, like the country songs say, looking for love and in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces, as you go searching for love in the images and the people and the personas of time and space, you don't find that love because you're looking in the wrong direction. You're looking in the projection instead of in the mind. And so Jesus is encouraging us. He's saying, come back. Let's practice mind training. That's what all those workbook lessons are about. Every single one of those 365 workbook lessons are in mind training. It's saying, come back and recognize the power of your mind. Come back and question those egoic beliefs. Question those misperceptions of time and space. Keep questioning those things. Come in the direction of your mind. And you could even think of yourself as 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 a mind that is reconnecting, remembering your connection with God. If, if Christ is an idea in the mind of God, that's what we're doing. We're remembering, we're recalling, we're using the, the, the characteristic or the, the attitude and the skill of memory and we're taking it and saying, I'm going to focus it toward the light instead of focusing it toward the projection. As long as I'm focusing it toward the projection, it just means I'd rather just rehash the past like Groundhog Day, like Phil in Groundhog Day, just the same day, over and over and over. Time just repeats the desire or the prayer for the past. If you have an attachment to the past, then the desire is to repeat that. And that's what linear time is. It's a trap. It's a trick to try to fool you into believing you're something that you're not. Now, some of the questions that are coming in are, are involving pain and suffering. And what I can say about pain and suffering are pain and suffering are experiences, ego experiences, that come from the attraction to guilt. And what is the attraction to guilt but the attraction to linear time? It's somehow believing that you're lacking somehow in the past and somehow you want to hold on to that tiny, tiny perception of who you are and therefore it seems to, this lack, this scarcity, these needs, these wants, they just seem to loop round and round and round in what has been called life. It's really not life at all. It's a fantasy. 
It's a figment of imagination. It's, it's a bunch of associations of images of time and space that are being held onto, clung to, as if they somehow are valuable. These images are not valuable. Before I came on, I was looking, there's a science and non-duality uh, conference coming up with all great non-dual teachers, and, and the title of it was something about finding wisdom in times of crisis. Times of crisis? Why are these times of crisis? I'm happy. I'm just as happy as I was and, and will ever be. But I, I have to beg to differ that these are times of crisis. Why are these times of crisis? Time is neutral. Of course, yes, the ego made up time, but remember Jesus is teaching us in the Course that the Holy Spirit neutralized everything that the ego made, and the Holy Spirit gave everything that the ego made a new purpose called forgiveness, atonement, correction. That's good news. That's good news. Forgiveness has already been accomplished. Hallelujah! Do I hear an Amen in the house? That's what Emily heard, you know, she read through all the list of your prayers and she said, they've all been answered. Wow! That hallelujah for that one, you know, Emily shared, they've all been answered. Now, they've all been answered because why? Forgiveness has been accomplished. And in order to see that forgiveness has been accomplished, that's the good news. That's why they call it the good news, uh, the, they call the, the Bible and the New Testament the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is forgiveness is accomplished. Accomplished. Finished. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. He didn't say on the cross when he was bleeding, okay, well I did my part. God help those generations in the future that are going to struggle <laughs> to accept the same atonement that I accepted. He didn't say that. He said, it is finished. Don't you like the word finished? Done. Over and done. Slava just was getting a song, what's it called? Completion. She received a song from the Spirit called Completion. Don't you like that? Isn't that the answer too to Seema's question about, about believing that she needs to work so hard? Well, the only thing that could solve the hard working question would be, it is finished. It is complete. It is done. And isn't that joyful? Just to begin, your heart can jump and leap in, in some joy if it can just begin to accept it is finished, it is complete. If it is complete, then that must be the end of the hard work. <laughs> that, would, that must be the one answer to the problem of a hard work, is it is finished. So when we open to that, we start to realize that that the atonement is really the focus of our prayer. We're focusing on that sense of completion. We're focusing on that sense of completion. Because if it is complete, I can rest in God. I don't have to fix time and space. 
I don't have to fix imaginary problems that were set up by the ego to keep me from knowing who I am, to keep me from knowing I am. The stillness, the, the silence, the light, the love. So, when you accept forgiveness, you are accepting that all problems have already been answered. And that is the focus of prayer. Prayer should be focusing on the acceptance of the correction. That, that this is done, this is complete. And the world of projections is simply every seeming situation of time and space is the ego going, no, not so fast. Guilty, 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 guilty. And as long as guilt seems attractive, then that means that the power of prayer is being misused. If you are using your mind to be attracted to guilt, then that is the misuse of mind. That's where you really need to stop and pause and take note. Now let's go into this more deeply. Because when I, you know, when I first read the Course, admittedly when I was going through the text and I'm reading those chapters, you know, from 15 to 24, and Jesus is starting to expose all this very directly, he has three sections that are back to back to back. And when you read the title of the first section as you're reading the Course, it's like, what? Attraction to guilt. He has a subsection called Attraction to Guilt. And then the next section is Attraction to Pain. What? And then the next section is Attraction to Death. Do you think he put those three sections back to back to back just, just for, for the fun of it? He's, he's showing that when there's an attraction to guilt, an attraction to pain, and an attraction to death, that's how you're blocking yourself from the holy relationship. That's how you're blocking yourself from the happy dream. You can't bring pain and guilt and death into the happy dream. What makes you think that the ego is invited to the party? The ego is the belief in separation and the happy dream is the awareness that the ego is not real. So the ego is not coming to that party. In fact, the ego is showing that there never was an ego. It's showing that it's impossible to separate from God, it's impossible to be separate from your source, and therefore the ego is an impossible idea, a possible concept. It's an impossible belief. The belief that you're something that you're not, of course that's an impossible belief. It can't be true. If God created you as spirit, the ego cannot be true. So, let's go into this a little bit closer. I, this morning when I I got up, I was listening to this David character reading the chapter 15 from A Course in Miracles and talking about the holy instant. And basically what Jesus was saying is that as long as the body still attracts you, you will be afraid of the holy instant. That in order to desire with your powerful prayer that you be one with God and you know your oneness with God, the body must cease to attract you. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, 
you probably remember from the Bible, Jesus talking about that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In the Course in Miracles, he says, you either perceive the flesh or you accept the spirit. He never makes a bridge there. He never says, and. He says, or. Or. You perceive the flesh or you accept the spirit. Now, suppose the ego made up this projection of time and space and Jesus is saying, no big deal, we're fine with fake, and that's fake. Your cosmos is fake. <laughs> Holy Spirit and I, we're fine with fake, except don't cover it. What about you? Do you see that it's fake? We see that it's fake. Do you see that it's fake? That's the key right there. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is saying, join with us and let's see this maya as maya. Let's see this illusion as an illusion. Don't keep believing in it, because as long as you believe in it, you're going to experience guilt and fear and pain and suffering. When I say pain, let me throw the opposites in there too. Pain and all of its derivatives, pain and all of its opposites. What's the opposite in this world to pain? Pleasure. Pleasure is the attraction to guilt. If, if you didn't believe in pleasure and the pursuit of pleasure and the maximizing of pleasure and the doing everything that you can to, to achieve it, to repeat it over and over and over, if you weren't so interested in pleasure, you also would not be so interested in its opposite, which is pain. This is a world of opposites that has been generated by the ego to keep you from knowing who you are, to keep you from waking up to divine love and light. But just like those songs about you can't have one without the other, pain and pleasure, pain and pleasure, this is a dynamic that you have to realize and all the great non-dual traditions teach this. This is not just brand new to A Course in Miracles. But remember all the great non-dual teachings were in, in India and in China and so on and so forth are teaching that as long as you believe in a world of opposites, you're believing in the projection. God is one. Spirit is one. Spirit is not opposites. Spirit doesn't have anything to do with opposites. Spirit has nothing to do with the yin and the yang. Spirit has nothing to do with male and female, masculine and feminine. Spirit is one. In fact, there's a workbook lesson in A Course in Miracles that says, I am one self united with my Creator. Wow! Wow! That's it. Talk about words that point you so directly to the truth. I am one self united with my Creator. That has to be the Christ. That's just another way of saying, I am still as God created me. I'm not going to have an authority problem and try to make up an identity apart from the one God already gave me in creation. I'm going to surrender my authority problem and come humbly back to God through the power of prayer. 
And what that also means is you aren't going to seek to try to get anything from this world because if this is a world of projected opposites and you have a desire for certain outcomes, I want to get this, I want to get that, oh that's on my bucket list, I haven't done that yet, I would like this, oh I would love to manifest a soulmate, uh, some money, nice convertible, all these different things. If you want to get things, if you want to mani manifest things, specific things from the world of duality, you will get the opposites as well. You seek for pleasure, you will find pain. Jesus tells us that in the Course in Miracles. It's impossible to seek for pleasure without finding pain. And if you can hear what I'm talking about, this is taking you into the heart of A Course in Miracles. It's taking you right into the heart of the great mystics and sages and saints. That's what they were all reflecting. That's what Ramana was reflecting. That's what Yogananda was reflecting. That's what St. Francis was reflecting. Mother Teresa one time said, when she was talking about all these grievances and, and this idea that you're mistreated by your brothers and sisters, she just said at one point, remember, it's never, it was never about you and your brothers, never about you and your sisters. It was always about you and God. It was always about you and God. This is why when you pray, you have to come, Jesus says, go in your closet to pray. Don't paint your faces and don't make a big show out of this prayer. Go in your closet. It's between your mind and the mind of God. The mind of God is pure light and love, and the mind, if you believe in time, just admit, I have a time issue going on here. Don't just admit, like in 12 Steps, you know, where they, they say you have to admit you have a problem before you can work the steps. You know, the alcoholics is told you have to admit that you're, that you're powerless over, over alcohol. You have to really start to admit that you are powerless when you believe in time and space. And that's an admission. You can go into your mind and make that admission. Because as soon as you make that admission that you've got a, t a linear time issue going on, no, it's not an interpersonal relationship issue, it's not a health issue with the body, you're not, you don't have an issue with Mother Earth, or you don't have an issue with the, the environment, you don't have any issues with the politicians, you don't really have any issues with this coronavirus thing. It's a time issue. You're dealing with a time issue. And that issue has already been solved. That issue is gone. Jesus tells us that, that you wouldn't have any issues at all as long as you realize that cause and effect are together. God and Christ, the Creator, the creation, are together. It's one spirit. It's not two. There's not two there, Creator, creation. It's one unified spirit of light. And cause and effect, Creator and creation, are together. 
This world is a belief, cause and effect are apart, and that's where we have past, present, future. The ego made that up. There is nothing in reality about past, present, and future. Those are aspects of, of nothingness. And that's why all great traditions, all the perennial wisdom says, come to the present moment. All of the perennial wisdom is teaching the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you go through Buddhism, or you go through Hinduism, or you go through Christianity. It doesn't matter whether you follow the Tao. It's all leading back to the same experience of eternity. And it all requires you use the power of your prayers to draw that into your awareness. That's it. That is the straight pointing direction of the song of prayer. Now I mentioned, to go back to the parable of David, when little David was clueless, I mean, trying to find some meaning, swimming around in uncertainties, fears, insecurities, doubt, um, had some friends, trying to have some friendships, and then then we move into adolescence, yipes, it's, <laughs> in the parable of David, it's like shy, uh, still not certain about what am I, what is this whole thing of time and space about? The future doesn't really look so enticing. Everybody's saying, I'm going to be a fireman when I grow up, and I'm going to be a ballet dancer when I grow up, and I'm going to be a scientist when I... I don't know, I was like, mm, doesn't really look, doesn't feel so good. <laughs> the future doesn't feel real good at all. No matter how I dress it up and put some shiny objects in there, doesn't feel real good. And then uh, raised in Christianity, you know, Jesus, yeah, says some good stuff and everything, but I don't know if I can relate completely. <laughs> you know, when you're a teenager and a child, if you're really tuned in, in into the mystical experience. You have some mystical experiences. Uh, some people do. Svava had a mystical experience. How old were you when you had? Ten. ten years old. Wow, if David had a mystical experience at ten, whew, things would have looked a lot different. No, David was clueless and ten years old was just like, I have no idea what it's about, you know. Turn to your parents, turn to your religion, turn to your leaders. Turn to your friends, clueless. But Svava had a mystical experience when she was 10. Later on, a guru called you Sarasvati Devi. When she went to Arunachala, and when she was down in India, a guru gave her the name Sarasvati Devi. I look at David. I was just shy David. <laughs> That's what I was. I was just trying to make it trying to make it through childhood, trying to make it through adolescence, very difficult. Probably some of you can raise your hand, you can relate. <laughs> Navigating time and space, going, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, trying to just make it through, trying to just survive another day. Yeah, most of us can relate to that. And then I started to listen to music, speaking of the Song of Prayer, started to listen to music, listen to music. I, 
I don't know, somehow music was just like soothing. When I was a child, I liked music. When I was a teenager, I was like soothed by music. Something would leap in my heart when I would hear music. I remember my sister, my biological sister, Mary Jo, came home one day and she brought home one of those vinyl albums into the house. We had a little phonograph player and everything. I said, what's that? And she said, it's the Beatles. Woo! <laughs> so we listened to the Beatles. And then we listened to the monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around. We're too busy singing to put anybody down. I like that. We're too busy singing to put anybody down. I like that. I liked All You Need Is Love. I liked what I was hearing. Even though I was raised in Christianity and about Jesus and forgiveness and everything, I had to be introduced to something that was very deep and very connected because why? Because the Spirit has to reach us with something that we can relate to. Many of us were raised in religions, but we, we didn't quite get it. You know, we tried. We, we learned, we, we tried, but we didn't quite get it. But there was something with the music that started to light my heart up. And then I remember in my late teens, just starting to be listening to the radio and vroom, feel my heart opening up. That's right. It wasn't the religion that did it, seemed to do it. It wasn't, it wasn't meditation. I wasn't meditating. I was lost. <laughs> I, it wasn't, even my friendships, I could feel some stirring and emotions in my heart with friendships. But suddenly the music was kind of like one of those time release capsules where literally it was doing its job. The, I was getting something heavenly coming into my consciousness, my awareness, through the music. And I would be listening to a song on the radio and whoom, whoosh. I was starting to have expansive experiences through listening to music. And I know a lot of you can relate to this. I know Svava can relate to this. When she was young and had her mystical experience, it was probably the music more than anything else that you could relate to. There's something that was reaching my heart, that's something that was pouring beams of light that were coming into me, unbeknownst to me, and I didn't know it was the source reaching me. I didn't know it was God reaching me. And then I remember as I went into my 20s and going through university and all the issues that come with university and striving and, and education, I remember still the music was there. That, that as I started to get into my mid-20s, I remember just like, wow. I heard a song on the radio and I'd be like, wow, wow, I feel so wonderful. I don't even know why, but I feel wonderful, I feel wonderful. And then I started to have, it wasn't like guidance, like a voice in my mind, listen to this song, turn to this radio station, da da da, that comes much later, but actually I started to get a feel with certain songs and then I would record them 
and something inside of me would start to put songs together back on cassette tapes. I'm dating the parable there, onto the cassette tapes, and I'd string together these songs, and then I would play the songs, and I'd play the cassettes, and I would, there would be messages coming through the songs, the lyrics of songs that were juxtaposed, and I'd be like, wow, I'm getting some kind of a psychic reading without seeing a psychic. I'm just listening to these songs that the Spirit is putting together, and I'm getting messages from the lyrics of the songs. How fantastic. How fantastic. Now that I could relate to. It wasn't some theology that I thought was some stuffy theology. I was having expansive experiences. The lyrics were forming messages, and I was getting powerful messages through the lyrics of songs that I, were, I was being, I guess, guided, even though I wouldn't have called it guided at that time, they were stringing together. So before I had Holy Spirit and Jesus using movie watching to expand my mind so in such a huge way, it was the music that came first. It was the songs that came first. You might say the prayer, the power of my mind was being activated through the songs without me consciously understanding what was happening. But somewhere deep inside I must have been saying, this world doesn't make sense. I don't know where this is heading, this time-space thing, but it's, it certainly doesn't make any sense to me. I've been confused. I was, I guess I could now say I was in that, that point in the parable of David, you know, teen years and, and into my 20s, depressed. There were times of depression, of like hopelessness, feeling helpless, feeling at the mercy of all kinds of things, which I was not aware of. And then somehow the music started to open me up. And I'm not alone. I mean, it was actually with Ken Wapnick, if you really read his biographical and autobiographical writings, it was, it was Beethoven, it was Mozart, it was classical music that prepared Ken Wapnick for his assignment as the first like, public teacher of A Course in Miracles. It was music that prepared the way for Ken to take on his function. It was music that prepared me for my function that I would seem to take, the symbols of letting the words be spoken through the character of David around the world in 44 countries. All that function was, was prepared by the song. And now I can say, oh, that was the song of prayer, working in me, working through me. Now, what can we take from that parable except to say that the Spirit will reach you with what you can relate to, and the Spirit will reach you in, with what you feel some resonance with. Like Jonas. Jonas, you're, you love drumming. Great. Jonas, you love, you love yoga. Fantastic. You love exercise and to take walks. You have certain things that you do and you think that they're rituals uh, and you're concerned that maybe you're blocked because of your yoga and because of your, you know, 
your meditations and because of the things, your drumming. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus has a message for you. You're on the right track. You're doing these things because you feel good when you do them. Now the ego will try to jump onto that feeling and say, wow, if I wasn't doing those yoga, those exercises, the drumming and eating and doing these things, then I wouldn't be as good a person and I could lose my girlfriend. Oh, you see how the pressure comes in. Now it's not just like light little symbols that Jesus is playing with to expand your mind, but the ego's like, oh, if they're gone, if you stop, you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your friendships, you're going to lose your girlfriend, you're going to lose your happiness, your health. You know, it's telling you that those rituals are the things that make Jonas a better person. And Jesus is saying, oh no, no, I'm just lightly using these things. These are just temporary symbols. I'm just using them now to expand your mind, expand your awareness. You're going to grow stronger and more expansive. I'm going to use the things that you seem to enjoy in this world to take you toward the light. Don't let the ego hijack this and turn it into some kind of a thing. Woe is me. I'm addicted to yoga. I'm addicted to drumming. You know, don't let the ego take what the Spirit's using to lift you up to the light and try to turn it against you as if like it's as if you're you're addicted. You know, it's always telling you you're addicted. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know you've got a, an ego preference uh, preference pattern. So does everybody who believes they're human. No big deal. You've got a particular preference package. Human beings are just preference packages. That's all they are. They're just preference packages. They're just ego preference packages. They don't even exist in reality, but we'll just call them preference packages. The Holy Spirit and Jesus is like, we know it's fake. We know it's not true. We'll use it. We'll use it to draw you out of the preference package and back into the light. Through joy, through happiness. We're going to use what the ego made and take you higher and higher seemingly in consciousness back to the light where you'll go transcend consciousness itself. You'll go right back into the, the truth that you are. You'll remember the truth. It's not like you're really gone, so you can't really go back there because you never really left, but you'll remember what you forgot. The world of time and space is a world of ignorance and truth is light and love and joy. We have to use what the ego made to unwind from the investment in these preferences to realize that there's no order of difficulty in miracles, that the miracle and the atonement solves, has already solved the problem and you're being taken toward the atonement. So that's beautiful. And the Sema, you know, you shouldn't be so concerned about work being identified as such a hard worker because Sema, you're getting activated now. You you are interested in parables and stories and writing. You are interested in letting your amazing intellectual skills, and obviously to be a medical doctor, you had to go through a lot of training and you've learned a vocabulary, you've, you've learned a lot of things, but now you're getting activated 
toward the things that you really enjoy, that expand your mind. You know, you see a movie or you read a book and you go, woof, that inspires you to maybe write a book or maybe you'll be a screenwriter. We have a, a screenwriter, a scriptwriter down here in Mexico, Tanya, who's, she was here with us for a week in March and she got activated. Now she's really activated. She's ready to do, join together and do a Jesus movie a script like the world has never seen before. A real deep mystical metaphysical Jesus. Her, she's married to a, a director, a, a, a documentary maker, a director down here in Mexico City and she, she said, oh we know lots of people in the industry and wow, I want to let my activation, my script writing skills be used for the blessing of the whole universe. Let's let's make some Netflix series like the world's never seen before. Let's make a Jesus movie like the world's never seen before. Let's let this expansiveness come through the symbols as a symbol of releasing the belief in guilt. That's the helpful use of symbols. You're ready. Whatever you seem to be as a daughter, as a mother, as a, a physician, time to shift gear. That was first gear. It's time to kick it into second gear and then third and fourth and fifth. You've got another life, so to speak, planned. You know why, why think of it in terms of reincarnation, having to wait till the body dies to pick up another life? You can do five or six of them in this one. Uh, you've only just begun, as the Carpenter's song says. You know, you're ready to just kick it into some gear and, and just move into something that intuitively feels joyful, gleeful, expansive. Yeah, the spirit will still use this, some of those skills and abilities. You're not asked to just push away what, what was developed. You're just asked to give it over for the higher purpose to use. In one sense, you're going to be like channeling spirit using these symbols and these skills and abilities. Let's go to Axel. Axel, 30 years old, you were on last night from California and how beautiful. Axel's ready for a relationship. How wonderful. How wonderful. Axel's writing in, hi Axel. How beautiful that you're a part of our, uh, our, our online gathering. You said, my question is about special relationships. I am 30 years old and I deeply desire a partner. I know I am complete on on my own, completely on my own, and I'm feeling very mournful trying to accept what the Course is teaching. Do I need to be alone to have a relationship with God and to accept and access the truth of this world? Well, let's look at it this way. I just said before that all human beings are preference packages. So in your preference package, you would like to have a partner. That feels joyful to you. That feels gleeful. The problem isn't having a partner. The problem is what's the purpose for the partner. So Jesus is saying through his whole Course in Miracles, 31 chapters, 365 lessons, and a clarification of terms and a manual for teachers, he's saying there's one question that you can ask that you can safely ask with anything. So you're bringing up the idea of that you desire a partner and I'm bringing in the question, the one question Jesus says 
to ask safely with anything, including the desire for a partner. What is it for? If you are desiring a partner to be a mirror, and you're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I actually would, would like to have a partner, and I want to do it for your purposes. I don't want to say, this is Axel telling the universe and telling God what Axel wants, when already Holy Spirit and Jesus know that the ego preference structure is, is, has to be undone. If we're going to see that there's no order of difficulty in miracles, and we're going to see that there's no hierarchy of illusions, and we're going to wake up to this light, we have to take what the ego made, and we have to give it to the Holy Spirit and Jesus and say, now you use it. I believe in it. You don't. <laughs> I'm going through some guilt and suffering with this, and you're not. But if, if I give this to you to use for your purposes, you will. And you will use it safely. You will not have it be something that will hold me back from remembering the light. You, it will be something that actually helps expand my perception. It, it opens me, it broadens my awareness. Can the Holy Spirit and Jesus use a partnership towards reaching the light? Of course. Uh, why would the Course have been written with all those metaphors throughout the whole book of you and your brother, you and your brother, if it wasn't meant to use something that you believed in, but that could be used to take you home, to take you back to the remembrance of God? So, when I'm talking before about how it's all, it's all mind, you have to get in touch with your mind, this concept of partnership can be used by the Spirit to help you get in touch with your mind and with the power of your mind. It will help you get in touch with the power of your thoughts. If you're not aware of how powerful your thoughts are, when you are using the symbol of a partnership, there's going to be such a mirroring, such an intense mirroring that goes on in that partnership, that you become much more aware of your thoughts through the use of that symbol of a partnership. Because it's going to be reflected back to you a lot, time and time again. It's just the way that the Spirit uses it will be towards helping you get in touch with what your beliefs are and what your thoughts are. So it's just a mechanism that the Holy Spirit can definitely use to help you get more and more in touch with your mind, with what's going on in your consciousness. So you see, it's not how the ego tries to make everything about form. You know, it's like, oh, well, well, I picked up A Course in Miracles. Well, that's it for my relationships. Uh, well. Might as well just wrap that one up. Uh, might as well wear, get the habit and get find the nearest convent or uh, the nearest uh, monastery. What do we got? A Vipassana? Oh yeah, let's go into a Vipassana retreat and go into the convent and become a nun and take vows in uh, poverty, chastity, obedience, and and that's, that's and then get a strong case of Mother Teresa itis, uh, where you know you really are not just a nun, but you become like a devoted nun 
and Hail Mary, full of grace, and this and this. No, no, it, A Course in Miracles has got to reach you with what your preference package already is. It wouldn't be relative. And it wouldn't be like it had 365 lessons that you can pretty much practice anywhere, any place. You don't have to be in a convent to practice the Course in Miracles. You don't have to be in a community to practice the Course in Miracles. You just have to be willing to say, here's what I believe in. I'm offering that to you as part of my mind training program to help me unwind from these beliefs. This is the mechanism of, of bringing illusions to the truth. It's the mechanism of saying, I have beliefs that I'm not even fully aware of, but you know the way. You know for my curriculum, we could say your individualized curriculum, uh, as far as being Axel, the Spirit is so loving that it has a plan that will work with the Axel beliefs, you know, the beliefs that you're Axel. It's that spectacular. It, it's like, you believe you're Axel, you're in California, you want a partner, da-da-da-da-da. It takes all that into account. And then it says, yes, now I will use what you believe in to take you toward the light. And the deeper you follow that, the more willing you are to follow that, I guarantee, I promise you, you will experience that there's no sacrifice involved in waking up to God. That sacrifice is a belief of the ego. And the ego says that there's things that are real and important and valuable that you're going to have to sacrifice to go back to that oneness. And it's actually all flipped. Because the ego is the belief that you can make up an identity that's really not who you really are, and then now it's telling us it's a sacrifice to give up the fake identity. It's, you see what a crazy death wish this is, it's like it's telling us, oh no, you made it up now, you know, eat, drink and be merry, you're going to die anyway. It doesn't tell us that it will pursue us beyond the grave, that <laughs> this ego belief system is beyond it's in the mind that it will just seem to play out over and over until we forgive, until we release it. But the ego is always trying to, to say, make the best of this world, eat, drink and be merry, for you're going to be dead anyway, you're going to die like everybody else. And then the mind just compromises and goes into trying to placate the ego. It tries to go into please the ego. You don't really want to get into the depth of A Course in Miracles if you're trying to placate the ego, because A Course in Miracles is about exposing the ego completely and releasing the belief in the ego, releasing the ego. You made the ego by believing in it, and you can dispel the ego by withdrawing your belief from it. That's what Jesus tells us in the Course. So that's beautiful. I, I think it's beautiful that here it is on your first time on the online uh, retreats that you just laid it out on the table. That's really laying it out on the table. That's fantastic. And I hope, like with Jonas and like with Seema, that you can really hear this, that, that this is a pathway that can use what the ego made to take you 
beyond. Of course, specialness is the ego itself. So the ego has a purpose for all relationships. That is its, its own purpose. It's to support and perpetuate itself. And the holy relationship is something that's held out as something that you, when you give your relationship over to the Holy Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit use that mirroring to free your mind from these ego beliefs, that is the helpful use of relationship. And there's a lot that Jesus has to say in there from chapters 15 to 24. Nine chapters, he has a lot to say about holy relationship too. And he also talks about the holy instant, because the holy relationship is, is like a symbolic use of time and space to take you into that blazing light of the, the great rays, which is the holy instant. So beautiful. Thank you, Axel. Thank you for sharing that. That's just for all of us. That's, that's for everyone to hear. So, if I come back to prayer and the song of prayer, it comes back to the prayer to know God is the prayer to let the Holy Spirit guide you in your mind. If, if your prayer is to make contact with the Holy Spirit, and your prayer is to listen to the voice for God and let the voice for God direct you in all things, that is going to be the fast track to the Holy Instant. Because the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit has like a dual function. He, he knows the truth. He's, he was created in heaven, so he is an eternal being. And yet, in terms of time and space, he seems to take the form of a voice. And the only reason the Holy Spirit takes the form of a voice is because the sleeping mind believes in words. It invented words. There aren't any words in heaven. <laughs> it invented the words. And now the Holy Spirit has to use what the ego invented to help the mind let go of the invention and come back to the song, the song of heaven. So. Guidance is very important. Like last night, it was beautiful. Eric, you called on Dennis. Dennis, oh, you're so sweet. You just, you just ooze sweetness. You're just adorable. You're just adorable. And you said last night, you said, in a point of just transparency, you said, I can't believe that God wouldn't be talking to me. I can't believe that I could, I can't hear God. Yeah, it was almost like a, like a little child, like, that should be the most natural thing. You think with everything I've seemed to say and do in this world, that I would be listening to the voice of God serenading you. <laughs> and that's why I told the parable of David today, because, yeah, David is a teenager thinking, why am I not hearing God's voice? You know, I would think <laughs> the one thing that would be the most important would be have... God's voice whispering in my ear. Uh, that would be the, if I, what do you want for Christmas? God's voice in my ear. What do you want for your 16th birthday, you know? What do you, what do you want? Do you want to get your driver's license? I'd rather have God's voice speaking to me in my ear. And that's what you were saying last night. I can't believe that God is not speaking to me. Well, Jesus tells us in A Course in Miracles, he says, um, 
he says, God's voice speaks to me all through the day. And he says, there are many answers you have received but have not heard. Hmm. He does say at one point, he said, it, it's, it's very difficult to hear the voice for God directly. Okay. All right. Uh, there must be some kind of major static, ego fog, ego static. Uh, there must be some kind of blanket of something going on. If it's, if it's quite possible to listen to God's voice all through the day without interrupting my activities in any way, which he tells us in the workbook, there must be some kind of fog there that is preventing me from hearing this voice. Now, I, I use the parable of David because I started listening to music on the radio and I don't know, I just started getting a big smile on my face when I listened to the Beatles and I mean, I just started listening to hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of songs. Why? Because there were some heart chords going inside my heart. I was like, woo! You tell it! Oh my God! I mean, the more groups I listened to, the more songs I listened to, not just in my own culture, I, I love listening to the sitar of, of the instruments of India. I like hearing new sounds. I love to hear songs that I couldn't even understand the lyrics of, but my heart would go, whoom! There were songs that I was listening to back in my teens and my 20s that I felt so happy with and sometimes it took me about 20 years, 20 years later, 30 years later, I'm listening to the same song and I'm listening to the lyrics of the same song that blasted open my heart when I was 16 or 22 and I'm going, my gosh, those lyrics are the most profound things I've ever heard. But I wasn't ready to hear those lyrics and hear what they really meant until the body was like 40 or 50, you see? It was like there was something nonverbal, there was something... I was being reached by God in ways that I didn't even understand, but I, I, didn't, have the, I didn't have the openness. I really wasn't ready to hear those lyrics. I just loved the song. Hey now, hey now, da da, the dream is over. Hey now, hey now. Wow, I'm 15, I'm 20 years old and I'm listening to that song and I'm going like, and now I hear that song, hey now, hey now, the dream is over. Wow, I'm like feeling the fullness of those lyrics. I didn't know what those lyrics meant. They didn't mean much to me when I was 16 or 22, but now, whoo, the dream is over. I'm feeling the joy of that. I'm feeling there's a reality in there. I'm feeling expansive. So that's maybe why you were watching that video of Francis, or maybe why you were tuning in when Kirsten was talking about her book and sharing from her heart the presence of I, I'm, what she went through with I Married a Mystic. And you started to feel like, ooh, I'm making contact here, and ooh, and ooh, I like the transparency. Ooh, no private thoughts, no people pleasing. That's groovy, man. I don't know. I, I'm here where I am in Bloomington, but wow, I'm starting to feel a connection here, and I like it. 
<laughs> I like the feeling of that connection. And, I, and that's what I felt when I started to hear some of those songs. There was a connection, there was something there that I couldn't put my finger on and I didn't know how it was being used, but I knew that I was being drawn to it. So thank you. Last night I so much enjoyed that session, but I really, toward the end, really like your just laying it out there, Dennis. You're just laying it out there. You're just saying, here's what's going on, and I'm starting to reconnect in some kind of way, and I don't even know how this is going to go, but I know, I feel it. Something is coming through to you. That's how amazing God's plan is for awakening. It's really just a presence, but it, it filters through time and space using the symbols of time and space and lights our heart up. And we start to feel the joy and the glee that we knew was in there. We just knew it was there. But we just didn't know completely how to access it. Well, that's why we need the Spirit. We need the Spirit to access that. So thank you. Thank you, Dennis. I love it. I just love these things. Well, why don't... Uh, we have another great channeled song from Svava coming up towards the end of our session today called Freedom. But while we have a few minutes, uh, Eric, why don't you open up the airwaves uh, so we can, we can have some interactions here and then Svava can bring in her song Freedom and then tomorrow Francis and I will open it up uh, quite, quite quickly to really start these lively uh, digital interactions which are really just reflections of our our song of prayer, that's all this, this is. is a, this is like an answer to our prayer of the heart. So Eric, see if anybody's got their hand up or anybody has anything that they'd like to share or, or ask and we'll see what we can do here. Yeah, we've got Jacqueline with her hand up. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Hey, can you, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. So um, I'm just going to talk because I feel like I need to expose myself because I've kept myself hidden for a long time, working the course on my own. And I feel like maybe I was tricked. I don't know. But I, Jesus kept saying in the book, you don't have to go anywhere. Um, you know, I was thinking of like Franz Kafka. He said, just sit by your table and, you know, the universe will, you know, roll the next to see at your feet. So I was using these ideas, but it kept me separated and I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't take any risks. I was afraid of being unworthy. And so, um, I don't know, just recently I was actually able to quit my job completely because I felt like I needed to do that. And I've given my life over totally to spirit. And uh, it's just the second day, but I feel like, whoa, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea, but I'm okay. And I've actually let go of all, I don't have any more preferences I don't even know what they would be. I, I keep thinking, oh, maybe that, or maybe that. So, you know, I just want to let everybody know I love them very much, and I just want to be more transparent and more connected. Or I, I know I am connected, but um, but I want to do it in a, in a way that I'm being prompted and just listen and not hold back. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jacqueline. That's kind of harking what uh, Greg was talking about last night, like, okay, here we go, the adventure begins, and we're in this together, so it's great to be with you in this adventure, and yeah, we'll stay very connected. Thank you.
Okay, next we have Robert in our co-living community with his hand up. Uh, I can't unmute him, it looks like they're co-hosts. So I'll go to Nirzari Nir in India next. Yeah, hi David. I, I'm actually having you know goosebumps listening to you live now. I'm I'm so grateful to be here in this space. And I was guided to your book Quantum Forgiveness uh, in the space of my course in medical readings. And the word that attracted me to that book was quantum because I've been a fan or I've been studying quantum physics as a student, you know. And that word really got me attracted to that book. And ever since I'm reading that book, studying that book, my, my life has been changing a lot. A lot of concepts that, you know, are getting yeah. dismantled. And I'm asking a lot of questions to my coach, actually, that, you know, please guide me through this transition that I'm going through. Because it, it becomes difficult, you know, when you actually start to know the truth and you want to go ahead in the direction of truth. And, you know, certain beliefs and certain uh, certain things in the form, world of form, you know, hold you back. So, yeah, so your terminology is world of form and linear time and everything is like boggling my mind a lot. And I'm trying to get the answers and I'm grateful to be guided to you through that space of Course and Miracles. Oh, and. Whole of my Indian family is here with me. I'm so happy for that. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm so glad you, you got into this all through the quantum word and through quantum forgiveness and all the, the movies and episodes we have that are part of that little book. It's a, it's a mighty little symbol that is used. And uh, also today when I... Uh, Woke up this morning, I, I checked my Facebook Messenger, and I had one message, and it was from uh, a friend in India named Tarana. And uh, Tarana uh, was an actress in India, and a singer, and a model, and she became so activated. She's also very much of a Mehir Baba devotee, and she became so activated uh, with A Course in Miracles and my teachings with The Course in Miracles that she actually came all the way over from India to, uh, to Utah the same time that Linda came and the same time, who else did we have? Uh, Lilo, you were there. All of you came at the same time in this synergy. And then Tarana was so beautiful, but she's actually in her beautiful English-Indian dialect has recorded my book, uh, which is, the, I call it the how of forgiveness, uh, unwind your mind back to God. So that could be something that a lot of you, if you've, the, you've worked through things with your group in, uh, in Song of Prayer and, uh, and The Course in Miracles, sounds like some of you have gone through the lessons a number of times already. If you really want to dive down into the nitty-gritties of forgiveness, using lots of practical examples and, and, and dismantling the self-concept, I would say that could be a fun thing for the group of you in India to do as a next project would be to listen to Tarana Singh reading Unwind Your Mind Back to God, all those beautiful chapters. It's actually three books in one, but it's back derived from my working with the students back in the 1990s. 
So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I, I'm so glad that the book Quantum Forgiveness is being used that way. And I think now we'll just, we will wrap up our session today before we take our pause and come back for the movie session with uh, Svava's song, Freedom. This song is a very new, recent uh, song from Spirit, and it's just, let yourself just relax and be lifted up with this closing song. And thank you all for joining with me today. I love you all, and I'm so honored to be here with you, and that we can share this online and share this experience. It's so dear, and it's so precious, and where we are truly being taken into the light together. So we'll take it over to Svava for the final closing song for today, Freedom. Oh, thank you so much, David. Such a, such a beautiful session. Yeah, I'm very honored to sing one more song. Mm.
sir.